Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of Special Projects and the host of The Scoop here at The Block. I'm very excited to have our former uh, colleague, Ryan Todd, joining us today. Uh, we, we obviously are very interested in Coinbase. Um, we're sorry that we couldn't get you this episode to be more timely. But listen, there's a lot to unpack here. Obviously, the financials are out there. It was a very good quarter, the fourth quarter, which was reported a week ago as of today. Uh, was it last Friday? It was last Friday or Thursday. No, last Thursday. Anyway, we're going to dive into the results, what we found surprising uh, with Ryan, who was a former payments analyst at Deutsche Bank and obviously followed the company very closely during his time here at the block. And, and of course, not to get our lawyers upset with me, but is also uh, an investor in, in Coinbase. And I also have exposure to the firm as well. So now that we got that housekeeping out of the way, let's just, let's just dive right into it. Uh, I, I guess like the funny thing that everybody obviously uh, comments on whenever any uh, uh, whenever Coinbase specifically reports earnings is the extent to which Wall Street just completely um, completely missed right so they beat Wall Street's estimates by by quite a bit and <laughs> you know you, you, uh, up and leading up until the earnings report you had a few downgrades I think um, but w w what why can't the street uh, get this right? Well, thanks, Frank. Glad to be on. It's fun to be on the other side, <clears throat> other side of the the mic. Um, I guess you pointed this out, but just for full transparency, uh, obviously, what we talk about today, not investment advice, and I am long Coinbase and crypto in general, and expect to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, so, I am coming to this discussion from a long bias, um, but I'll do my best to try and frame the discussion to be as objective as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess if you want to start there, uh, with just street and how they just look at companies more broadly and, and even their numbers for Coinbase, um, I guess we could start there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about sell side coverage in general is there tends to be, uh, a positive bias, um, and it, you can look down the row, but I mean, it, they're getting guided by management. They're really a mouthpiece for management, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, they're not getting paid um, to be accurate on their forecasts. And uh, really what, what they get paid to do is, is to maintain relationships with management and, you know, convey their messaging to investors. Um from the management's perspective, they don't want the street to set unrealistic expectations that they can't beat. Uh, you know, management wants to be able to consistently beat guidance and, and expectations. Um, and so there is this natural structural positive bias, albeit with estimates that are attainable and, and can be beatable consistently. 
in the case of Coinbase, though, what is interesting, and we see this with all the big tech names. I mean, I think NVIDIA has, mm-hmm. I don't know, like years and years now and quarters and quarters of just straight beats. Um, mm-hmm. Coinbase, Coinbase has beat EBITDA, I think, seven quarters on a row. Revenue, five quarters in a row. Um, so there is this just structural basis for why that happens. Um, but I think kind of zooming back to Coinbase specifically, um, I think from the streets perspective, you know, outside of a few outliers, analysts that aren't some of the larger banks, you know, the stock is still very much in a show me phase uh, and more so a show me on like the merits and value of the asset class as a whole and whether mm-hmm. it can deliver on, you know, these long touted non-speculative use cases of crypto. And on uh-huh. one hand, you know, I've read, a, I've read a few analyst notes and coverage and, you know, while they're not being shy about giving credit for the year they had last year, and we can get into that as well. Um, and they're quick to point out, you know, the green shoots that have been laid with several product, mm-hmm. new product lines, um, you know, they're acknowledging the real appetite and flows for um, the, from an institutional perspective coming into the Bitcoin ETF complex. You know, all these things are exhibiting yep. real momentum. You know, many, on the other hand, just aren't there on the materialization of non-speculative use cases for crypto as an asset class. Um, and, you know, Coinbase... I wonder, uh, sorry to interrupt, I wonder if... No if one of the reasons or one of the factors behind why there's this sort of mis- mismatch is because of the class or or rather category of analysts covering this stock are are going to be uh those analysts covering brokers exchanges and and totally. those types totally. of firms versus maybe and you have a few that also cover payments versus you know analysts that might cover tech or or something else or tech infrastructure because uh, Coinbase, uh, whilst a good portion of its money uh, derives from the brokerage and exchange business, I don't think that that's how they view the business. And I think you could make an argument for why Coinbase's business is something much different. Totally. That's that's one of there's two main quirks I see coming from the analyst analyst perspective. Um, to your point, and it's a great point, like um, what kind of company is Coinbase and, and what sector analysts should cover it? You know, is it an internet company? Is it a broker exchange, payments, bank? The reality is mm-hmm. it has components of all these businesses and the company has a variety of dictor, uh, different sector analysts covering this name. Um, and so, you know, while some of these analysts might feel comfortable with some aspects of the business, uh, you know, they may lack some nuance and just a historical appreciation for other aspects of the business. Um, it is also though why you see the larger banks have, you know, full staff teams that cut across multiple sector analysts to give a more holistic view. Um, but the other, you know, I'm, I'm actually more sympathetic to the other reality is that, you know, these are equity analysts and not commodities analysts, uh, at least for some part, some banks may have brought in some of their commodities teams to assist uh in covering the space but <clears throat> to take a constructive view beyond street estimates um at least for this year and, and for the years to come in some sense you know it requires making a call on the direction of the underlying asset class and what it does from a price perspective and yeah. um especially when you just recognize the reality is almost every single if not every single 
core revenue line item mechanically is impacted by the price of crypto. I wonder if there's sort of like a a, a discount that's baked in as a result of maybe viewing this stock uh, only within the context of the current market versus where it might be. So that is to say Coinbase is worth X because the crypto market is $3 trillion or whatever. It is. Maybe it's $2 trillion right now. I have no idea. Um, versus Coinbase is worth X or rather should be worth X because crypto will be an order of magnitude larger at some point in the future. It's not their job necessarily to, to, to forecast the latter. Yeah. And so that point, and on that point, um, you know, Coinbase, I mean, this is a deeply cyclical, at least at this stage and where crypto is at deeply, deeply cyclical market historically in any given month or quarter, you can see hundred percent appreciation or 80% wipeouts. Um, and so that deserves a discount because uh, it shows that earnings can't be consistently compounded in, in any given year. Um, you obviously add in the regulatory, it's a real regulatory overhang. Um, and just the fact that it's uncertain on where these things go. Uh, both those two aspects demand a discount on, on earnings and how you perceive them. Um, on the point you make on uh, not wanting to take a view on just overall crypto price direction, um, that's actually what's being baked into 2024 numbers. So, uh, you know, I can quickly go through those if you want, but... Um, I think Street currently has a target price of 162. Last I checked, stock as of tapings at 170. Um, they are estimating an EBITDA number for the year. This is adjusted, so includes things like stock-based comp. Um, mm -hmm. But their adjusted EBITDA numbers about 1.8 billion for 2024. Um, mm -hmm. For con for context, last year. Coinbase did about 900 million, close to a billion. So they're looking already mm -hmm. at, they're estimating about two times um, growth in, in adjusted EBITDA for 24. Um, but from a revenue perspective, and this is where I think it gets interesting and, and kind of highlights your point, um, 2024 revenue estimate currently from the street is 4.36 billion. Um, okay. And... Um, so what's baked into that? Well, I would say one of the cooler aspects of, of looking at this company is unlike, you know, what we've seen uh, when hedge funds or even sell side, you know, pays for alternative data, whether it's credit card data on retail sales or, you know, I don't know if you remember the, the stories and, and coverage of people buying satellite data uh, uh, for parking lot yeah. traffic to see retail traffic. Yeah. You know, ironically enough, like one of the real use cases of, of having this public ledger and open source data aggregators, companies like the block, you can see what's happening in real time. And so, you know, we're two thirds of the way through the first quarter. Coinbase volumes are tracking about 20, 25% higher quarter over quarter. Uh, we don't know trading mix and ultimately blended, you know, fee yeah. take rates, but those have been fairly consistent, if not actually consistently trending higher over the past couple of years on the, on the consumer side specifically. Um, you know, we see USDC supply up over 20% quarter over quarter. We know interest rates have held. We see the price of crypto assets, the majors in Bitcoin and ETH are up, you know, at least over 20% in the quarter. 
Um, so all else equal, assuming no net custody flows on an absolute dollar value, those assets uh, and you know the fees they take on those assets in absolute dollar terms is going to be mechanically higher. Um, mm-hmm. And that's before you even get into the success of the Bitcoin ETFs. You know, we have over 30 billion in AUM in five weeks, 10 billion net new AUM. The bulk of that's sitting at Coinbase. So if you take all that together and you hold assumptions on take rates um, as to what they were able to do last quarter, you get revenue for 1Q currently tracking around the 1 billion, call it 1.1 billion range, uh, plus or minus, you know, a few hundred million. And so when you look at full year, 24 revenues, which is 4.4 billion. That basically implies that, um, you know, they're not going to, they're not baking in any other appreciation in the underlying value of crypto. Yeah. They're basically holding that constant for the year. Interesting. I mean, that sort of just proves the point there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I just, I want to, I want to expand on that, but, but since, we have you here, and you've been watching this stock since it made its market debut on NASDAQ in 2021. Let's just maybe talk about the story really quick, because uh, from a from a financial and operational perspective, um, if we rewind the clock, I can't, I don't have, I don't know off the top of my head um, what the revenue percentage breakdown was then, but obviously there was a huge concern around around the concentration of its revenues being tied to transaction. There was that issue. There was also the EBITDA issue was insane, uh, was in, was in the negative. And it was a company that was, you know, very much burning through money on marketing and, and, you know, being, I guess you could maybe say bloated. And if we think about the last two years, they've really done a pretty good job, at least in my opinion, on, on really remedying, um, a lot of those issues, and I think they're they're illustrated in in the previous quarter where you had um, EBITDA uh, top what was it nine hundred million? Yeah, close to a billion. Close to a billion, and then you have a really really nice uh, uh, kind of uh, diversification of the business lines, um, and and I think basically subscription and services revenue came in right around the same level as trading uh, transaction revenue. So if you think about this story arc, I mean, they really have, um, in my opinion, addressed a lot of the concerns that the street had and investors had maybe two years ago. Totally. So the biggest thing for me, and there's a lot to unpack here, uh, and I think we could spend an hour talking about the year they just had, because I think it's definitely one for the history books. But um, yeah, to your point, when Coinbase originally direct listed, I was less interested in the name for a variety of reasons. The biggest being, um, two biggest risks I thought in my mind off the top of my head were competition. You know, at that time, mm-hmm. there was this upstart hot exchange FTX <laughs> <laughs> that was was taking real share, albeit um, mm-hmm. very artificially and fraudulently. But um, yeah, you had a business that uh, I think over 90% of their revenues were driven by transactional revenues. Uh, they were taking very fat spreads on the consumer yeah. uh, take rate. So there was, I think, one of the biggest legs to the short thesis at that time was just fee compression. Is that those fees are going to come down? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then competition for me. I just thought when you when you 
taking the fact that they're taking so much on the take rate uh, that can get competed away. And the reality is uh, none of that actually happened. Yeah, they've actually, it's really surprising when you look at blended consumer take rates. So uh, consumer consumer revenue over the, the, the volume. Uh, those rates have actually gone up. Yeah, so this is basically just the f- the fee that 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 they can take from retail customers for trading. Correct. So there was a span of like four or five quarters through the end of twenty two into last year where those went up meaningfully. And mm. um, you know, I, on the you know on the calls, management kind of talks about how they've been strategic and um, you know setting different prices for different consumers and and. And maybe in some weeks it's more than others. Uh, but the net effect of that is that, you know, that blended fee rate has not gone down. It's gone up. And so mm-hmm. for full year 2023, they're getting almost close to 2%. I think I have 1.9% uh, blended fee rate on consumer volumes. Obviously, institutional is like like nothing compared to that. Yeah, it's like you know, 10 basis points or something probably. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're getting a little bit more because they, and we can talk about this, but they've been enhancing like the prime services. They're doing other different execution and they have, you know, new institutional products that may take higher fees. So that is ticking up relative to 2022. But yeah, the big story for me on that front, 2021 relative to this past year is competition and fee compression just is not a risk in my mind at this stage. Um, and I think due in large part, we can thank the brutal, absolutely brutal year to borrow your word, your favorite word, mm-hmm. uh, year that 2022 was. I mean, it was just completely dire for the industry. Uh, and the fallout from all of that net benefit from that is that Coinbase really is heads and shoulders solidified as like the nexus of crypto, uh, at least in America. And, you know, yeah, has plans to expand internationally. But, you know, that's kind of solidifying this idea that they have the ability to have pricing power on fees. Okay, let's look at the year that 2023 was. We, we kind of went through the financials there. We went through the history. What other uh, important takeaways are there from this, uh, this earnings report? Yeah, so I think we, we kind of are getting to this point. So, like, the setup for this past year uh, – Basically, all expectations are for Coinbase were at all-time lows. I mean, the stock was down 86% mm-hmm. from 2021 to 2022. You saw 60% revenue declines. You had 2.5 mm-hmm. billion of losses in 2022. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just the fallout of the three-punch knockout of 2022, whether that's the Terra Luna collapse, mm-hmm. uh, credit crisis, <laughs> and then FTX. Mm-hmm. Um Basically, you had the exodus of any credibility the space had left with the broader institutional investor class. And so the space was quite literally left for dead and written off. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the expectations for crypto and Coinbase entering 2023, uh, especially coming from the street, were just low, to say the least. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think just to to put context on, on, on just like how impressive this past year was for Coinbase, I think... To start the year last year, the price target for Coinbase was in the $40 range. Um, you know, it's currently trading at like $170. Um, I think there's an expectation of about $2 billion in revenue. 
and mm -hmm. negative adjusted EBITDA for the year. Mm -hmm. um, they generated, as you pointed out, almost a billion on the year of adjusted EBITDA, mm -hmm. close to a billion. Uh, and they pretty much shattered all expectations across every single line item. Um, mm -hmm. And and so, frankly, they, they basically delivered results like leaps and bounds higher than what anyone thought was possible. Yeah. And they also strengthened their balance sheet and their USD resources, decreased their debt. Exactly. And and so, in my mind, I guess I didn't bring this up, but in, in 21, when the stock dark listed, I think another concern I had wasn't that I didn't trust or um, think that management, you know, had experience or could deliver on some other stuff. It just was unproven to me. And at that time, if you can remember, mm. you know, there was real questions about strategic direction, um, about some of their key initiatives that they threw a ton of money into and, you know, not really seeing much come out of that. I think top of my head, the NFT marketplace comes to mind. Um, you know, when we covered Coinbase and a mm -hmm. lot of conversations, we always heard about this tension between this Silicon Valley culture and still trying to win institutional business uh, on Wall Street and that tension just not really resolving and, and leading to issues there. And so I think in 21, it was, I looked at, you know, management and, st and strategic direction, execution, product launches as all at best questionable um, and maybe even um, slightly things to knock them on. And I think, for me, 2023 or 2023 just completely, you know, took care of all those uh, doubts in my mind. Um, you know, they set out the goal of 2023 was, yeah, to at least deliver on absolute terms, better adjusted EBITDA. They didn't. They didn't even say they wanted to 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 be profitable mm -hmm. on that aspect, uh, but you know, they delivered almost a billion, as we pointed out. Um, they really wanted to focus on reducing OPEX um, and, you know, just get leaner. And they did that. You know, I think OPEX was down about 45% year over year. Uh, if you take out the crypto impairment charges they have, it's it's about 35, 37%. Um, and they did that while still practically earning, mm -hmm. you know, comparable total revenue to last year. And so that's how they got the, the huge positive adjusted EBITDA number for the year. Um, and then the other goal they had, which, you know, I think this is a whole other aspect to this is they've built a lot of goodwill, uh, within, you know, the crypto native community, I would say, albeit, you know, on the edges, there is some backholder bias in communities that feel like they're, they're not getting catered to as well as they should. But mm -hmm. in aggregate, I would say the goodwill that they've built, um, you know, and, and pushing for proactive regulatory policy, not only in the U.S., but globally has led to real material, uh, you know, progress on that front. Um, you know, they also doubled down and are going head on with the SEC with their litigation there as well. Um, and so to accomplish all of this with that last point also is like, they're, they're, you know, a lot of companies could get quite distracted by this regulatory pressure uh, and environment, um, you know, but they were able to not only deliver incredible results, but, you know, they absolutely shipped period. I mean, they delivered, if you pull up the, the, the earnings, uh, share, shareholder letter, I mean, it's like 15 things they delivered in the year that all could eventually, you know, lead to incremental revenue. I mean, they, they expanded in, you know, Europe, South America, Canada, they launched their own L2 solution base. 
They launched, uh, you know, new derivatives exchange, which is showing, I think, mm-hmm. tens of billions of of incremental um, notional volume growth. I think they just did 10 billion in the past 30 days. Um, you know, 16 billion in Q4. Uh, you know, they've upgraded Coinbase Commerce. They've enriched the Coinbase Prime services. They got a new deal and agreement with Circle, so now they're earning 50% revenue share on on all USDC in circulation, not just USDC on platform. They won eight of 11 Bitcoin ETF custodian agreements. And so they did all of this while managing their expenses, hitting their goals for the year. Um, and they did all this amidst this backdrop of just like real apathy to start 2023. I mean, I think it's an environment that I think a lot of people kind of checked out or would check out. Um, and they, you know, pulled up their bootstraps and then went to work and, and really delivered and executed on, on a ton of things. Truly. And so I think that, Truly. uh, in my mind and just from the notes I've read from the analyst community, I think, you know, they get a lot of, they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, and, you know, I think we can start giving them, uh, a higher probability or likelihood that, you know, they can continue to deliver on, you know, future goals and, and strategic initiatives on a go forward basis. So 2024 outlook and potential headwinds. Um, I think 2024, we've kind of talked about this, but right now street's not really expecting any, they're not really willing to take a view on direction of crypto. Uh, they're giving them credit in their ability to continue to manage expenses. And so, um, you know, they're not really, um, knocking them on that re- regard. Um, I think the biggest upsides to incremental revenue is all these initiatives that we laid out. Those currently aren't really also being factored into, uh, how the street is thinking about estimates for 24. So whether that's, you know, growth in their derivatives exchange that they launched, whether that's monetization of base through new apps, not saying this is going to happen, but, you know, just an, as an example, uh, whether it's payment. Are they just not, they're just not thinking about it. Oh, I think they're absolutely thinking about it. And I think, um, you know, the goals they listed out for 24, the two main things they're focusing on are payments and the use of just making USDC and, and crypto more usable. And I think for many crypto payments seems like the most easiest low hanging fruit to accomplish that. Um, and so, um, there's all these, you know, today in material line items that flow through to uh, the subscription services revenue um, that while today could be immaterial, you know, in 12 to 24 months could, could really be material, especially in aggregate across all these, these different initiatives uh, to where you see actual real um, consistent growth in that business that isn't as cyclical as the trading revenue side. And so, the upside for me would just be seeing it doesn't even have to be that large, but again, um, take, take USDC, for example. So they, they currently make, yeah, 50% revenue share with circle. Um, and they used to only get interest on USDC that was on their platform. So USDC at Coinbase, uh, but they now just get, all USDC supply, they, they take a cut of that. And so, yeah, you know, I think this is the one line item that actually could drive the highest incremental revenue in my view. 
for the year. And it's no surprise that, you know, they mentioned USDC as a, as a key focus for the year. So, yeah. They mentioned it twice on that first pager. Exactly. Which also surprised me. So it's funny, you know, a lot, uh, if you're a crypt, if you're a Coinbase, um, if, if you're long Coinbase, a lot, there's a lot of pressure, uh, on Mr. Jeremy Allaire at Circle to to pull things off. <laughs> yeah, and they, I mean, they're <laughs> supposed to IPO this year, right? Or at least that's the, the chatter. That would give us another company to look at, which will be fun. Yeah. But the thing with the USDC, if I may, though, is that, you know, it's already up. You know, it's, it's down, uh, I want to say it was like at least total supply was in like the 40 to $50 billion range at one point. Uh, you know, last quarter, it finished at $24 billion. Um, so, you know, if they can find ways to make USDC more useful, whether that's paying the interest, um, to users that leave USDC on platform, like I currently get 5% for all USDC on, on Coinbase. Um, if they can find ways to make it useful in payments globally, like I think that paired with the fact that to your point, Circle, you know, has an incentive to also make USDC more useful. Um, I think you could really see real meaningful growth, uh, and, you know, the total supply of USDC this year, uh, which would be a big lift for, uh, revenue for 2024. We can have a whole different, we can have a whole nother podcast on that. Um, this was, this was fantastic. So if, if listeners like this, we'll, we'll get Ryan back on for Q for Q1 earnings. Um, and if they, if they don't, then we'll, we'll have to find somebody else. No, I'm sure this is, this is fantastic. Any closing thoughts, Ryan, before we let you go? Um, well, I guess on the first point, I, I we could talk about this for hours. In fact, if, if I was in New York right now, I, I would assume we'd go get a beer and, and talk about this for hours. Hours. Um, I would just say, yeah, I think, you know, I think Brian, CEO, you know, gets a lot of credit on crypto Twitter uh, for what he's done as a CEO and, you know, leading the company through what was by all definitions an adverse year last year. Um, obviously, it's the the, the the bald premium. But um, I, I'd also just say it's not just Brian. I think everyone on that leadership team has, you know, has delivered the goods. And I think whether it's the CFO, uh, Alicia, her ability to manage capital. Um, you know, I think the just the- Emily from an operational perspective, and then just even their 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 product leads like Greg and Brett. Yeah, everyone's firing on on all cylinders, and I think that um, really just is what gives me confidence uh, for for twenty twenty four and beyond. And I think it really is like showing through to just all employees at Coinbase. I just think everyone really is executing at a high level, at least from the outside looking in. Um, and I think while crypto Twitter's, you know, it seems in aggregate is giving them the praise they deserve. I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of underrated just more broadly within big tech, just what they've been able to accomplish this past year. And so I think that's just another thing I, I kind of expect 2024 to, to show, uh, is I just think there's gonna be deeper appreciation more broadly for for what Coinbase has, has been able to do and the momentum they have. And so I think that that's something also that I think has some some indirect uh, momentum and upside for Coinbase, just broader recognition and appreciation for what they're doing. Yeah, totally agree. Well, appreciate you coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. And 
hopefully uh, we'll see you next quarter. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Ray. Thanks. Take care. And The Scoop will be back for you with another great guest. Have an awesome day. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.